Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Lee Cantor here, another episode of High Velocity Radio, and this is an important one. Today on the show, we have Dominic Vogel with Cyber SC. Welcome, Dominic. Uh, thank you, Lee. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Cyber SC. How are you serving folks? Uh, well, you know I'd like to say that we serve the uh, lifeblood of, of the economy. We work with small and mid-sized organizations uh, right across Canada and the U.S. and uh, really helping business owners and executives grapple with, with cyber risk because it just keeps growing by the day. So now, uh, do you mind educating kind of the listener about the threat of um, cybersecurity? It's in the news. A lot of people, it happens so frequently, they may not understand uh, the prevalence and they may not understand how it can impact a small business. It's not just the big guys that get hit with this. Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and it's, it's a strange paradox of sorts in which a lot, a lot of people, especially with, uh, among the small and mid-sized business community, they don't really understand that actually globally the mass, vast majority of cyber attacks are focused on the small and mid-sized organizations. And uh, it's very much an existential risk for them. You know, you know, mainstream media may cover, you know, the big data breaches from big, big companies, big organizations, colonial pipeline, what have you. Um, but, you know, for every every big company you see you know, experience a data breach, there's about five to ten smaller ones that, you know, aren't in mainstream, uh, but they go out of business because they don't have the war chest to, to survive a, a cyber attack or a data breach. Um, you know, and one of the most prevalent threats right now, uh, especially among small and mid-sized organizations, is something called ransomware. It's basically like kidnapping of the 21st century where your IT systems, your data basically held hostage and you have to pay a ransom in order to regain access to that. And it's like a digital wildfire right now. Small and mid-sized organizations are just getting hit left, right, and center with it. And then while every um, kind of industry is at risk, this is especially uh, dangerous for financial services, uh, supply chain, healthcare, I would imagine, telecommunications, anything that deals with the government or infrastructure, I would imagine are really, this is not a, a nice to have, these are must haves. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I'd say, I'd say that the um, the magnifying glass is, is even brighter <laughs> or, or the scrutiny is even t- tighter in, in, in those sectors, but uh, and one of the things I often tell uh, uh, people is that you know we live in a digital economy. Pretty much every company relies on its data, whether it be manufacturing companies, whether it be heck even you know a five-person uh, uh, company. If you lose access to your data, the ability to uh, access you know key IT systems, um, you're unable to do business. And if you're unable to do business, you're unable to serve your customers. And if you're unable to serve your customers, you're not making money. You know, and I always jokingly say that. Unless you're selling tacos on the back of your Volvo and all cash deals, you are a digital company, right? That's just the economy and the world we live in today. And then to educate the listener about uh, the people who are um, kind of doing these kind of deeds, it used to be you would imagine some kid in the basement, uh, you know, eating uh, Cheetos and drinking Red Bull and just doing <laughs> this as a prank. But these are these are sophisticated uh, players here. This is their job. They're, they approach this like middle management, right, where they're going into office buildings with whiteboards and are brainstorming to try to find the most effective ways to penetrate a system. You're you're you're, you're absolutely right, Lee. I mean, um, you know, 19. Well, a lot of us are stuck in what I refer to as 1995 level thinking when we when we think about 
cyber criminals. Um, that was absolutely true back in the mid nineties and heck even to the early two thousands. Um, it was mostly just you know, disgruntled teenagers wearing hoodies in the in their mother's basement. Um, that's not true anymore. What we've seen, especially over the past ten years, is a rise of what I refer to as the professionalization of cyber crime. Every single criminal syndicate organization in the world invests heavily in being able to commit cyber crime. Cyber crime has actually surpassed the drug trade as being the most profitable um, crime uh, throughout the world. Reason being, it's safer. Uh, they, it scales a he heck of a lot better than, than uh, uh, drug trafficking. Uh, you can commit these crimes anywhere in the world. And being caught, is, is the, the, the risk there is really, really low. Uh, you know, so that's why we've seen just so much money being invested by criminal uh, organizations because cybercrime is such a profitable crime for them. And that's why I often tell people now is that we have to understand we're not going up against amateurs. We're going up against professionals. So if organizations keep taking an amateur approach to cybersecurity, well, it's like any amateur going up against a professional in anything. You're going to lose 10 times out of 10. So let's give the listener some relief. There are ways that you can uh, protect yourself and um, and not become a victim. Uh, talk about CyberSE and how you're actually helping people um, prevent some of this and so that it doesn't impact their businesses. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, I'm a big believer in doing the basics and doing them well. You know, a lot of people think about cybersecurity. It means, oh, you know, we, must, we have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on state-of-the-art security and you know, firewalls and what have you. That's really not the case. You know, it's really just a matter, a, a case of embracing what I refer to as cyber hygiene and, and doing those basics and doing them well. And that's where an organization like ours, like CyberSC, where we come in, we work with, you know, whether that be a business owner, CEO, CFO, COO, someone who is re ultimately responsible <laughs> for the well-being of their organization. Cybersecurity falls on their shoulders, but it's not something that they truly understand. And we go in and we really go through a, a what we refer to as a maturity process uh, to, be able, to be able to identify, A, what are the most critical data assets in your organization? Do you know where they are? Do you know who has access to them? And we start building security controls uh, around that. Again, just doing some basic, basic stuff. One of the things which I always um, talk about, and if your listeners take any practical tidbit uh, away from, from our little chat here, is that they need to embrace what's referred to as multi-factor authentication. Uh, and that's where you're no longer just using a username and password to log into a system, but you're using a username, password, and another form of authentication. So that could be a, a one-time code that gets sent via text message or via email to your phone. Perhaps you have what's referred to as an authenticator app on your phone. It's really just adding an extra layer of, of security. And that is one of the most effective uh, techniques that uh, people can embrace right now in terms of lowering their cyber risk for their organization. And for the most part, it doesn't cost anything. Most of the systems, especially uh, their online systems, like whether they're using uh, for email or for remote access, those capabilities are generally built in. Most people just aren't making use of it. Now, in the work that you're doing, you're obviously protecting data uh, for your clients. And and this is something that the client obviously has a need to protect the data that's important. But it isn't – the value you provide goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because if, if my data is protected well and I can show that, if I was to sell my company, if I wanted to merge with another company – I would imagine that my company is that much more valuable that I, I've checked that box in terms of the due diligence of whoever is my purchaser. And so I would imagine this is more than just an insurance policy. This is something that can really 
it, it, it's not an expense. It can really improve the value of my company. Uh, and, and it's so great to hear you bring that up. You know, and, and, and that's really, um, it's, at, at the end of the day, it's about adding value to your business. It's about supporting the growth of your organization and business. Um, you know, this is especially true for um, even, even before you even get to the point, maybe even selling or having your company acquired. If you're a B2B organization, business to business, and especially if you sell to, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the government sector, if you sell uh, to uh, within um, regulated industries like, like financial services, if you're selling to Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies. If your company is able to actively demonstrate in a quick fashion what your security capabilities are, um, that puts you at a competitive advantage compared to maybe your um, one of your competitors who is not investing proactively in cybersecurity. And we're really seeing that right now as l- large organizations are digging deeper. They're pro- doing greater due diligence on the vendors that they rely on. And they're saying, no, sorry, we can't do business if your company isn't able to demonstrate uh, its cyber cybersecurity capabilities. And we're seeing that more and more with mergers and acquisitions as well. As part of due diligence, for the longest time, it's always been, you know, let's do the financial, operational, personnel due diligence. Past few years, we've seen cyber risk due diligence become increasingly more common and the, the organization do, doing much more digging there. So if you want your company to be acquired <laughs> successfully, uh, especially, like I said, one, one of those more regulated spaces, you need to be investing in cybersecurity now. It, it's going from not just being, it's going from being a table stakes item to being a source of competitive advantage and value and growth for your organization. Right, and like you mentioned, in some of these heavily regulated industries, it this is a must-have. They, you can't even do business because you're putting everybody in the network at risk by you having places that can be kind of penetrated. Now that gives the bad guy a way in to everybody. It, that, that's that's exactly the case, you know. And, and you know, there was there was a watershed moment when uh, Target, you know, the the, the large retailer. I experienced a data breach. I'm going to say that was about 10 years ago. Um, it wasn't actually Target that was compromised. It was their HVAC vendor, which was a, which was a mid-sized organization. They were compromised, and then it was through that access to Target that Target ended up being compromised. That ended up being a watershed moment because it was at that point forward, and with each passing year, the scrutiny's gotten tighter and tighter. Where the large organizations started really clamping down on the vendors that they rely on. Um, um, day in and day out. So th- that was, sort of, like I said, a, a, a turning point, especially over the past year. We've seen those screws just get tighter and tighter and tighter uh, to the point where, again, if you're in a regulated space, it's table stakes. Uh, and more and more so uh, in other spaces, it's becoming a source of competitive uh, differentiation. Now, um, is this something that only the big guys can afford that you have to hire a chief technology officer or a CIO or somebody that is just, you know, 24-7, this is all they're thinking about, that if I own that five-person company, I can't afford to, you know, take 20% of, of my personnel and put them on this. I, I it, My business is too small to uh, do that. Is your solution something that, that, that the small guy can take advantage of it, or is this something that they got to kind of grow up a little before they can afford to deal with this? No, and, and I appreciate you bringing this up, Lee. I mean, th- that was very much the genesis for our organization. We, we saw, and this goes back eight, almost uh, ten years ago, from from when we started as an organization, was that you know the the the, the little the little guys, the, the little uh, organizations, they were being priced out of getting uh, good, actionable uh, uh, guidance and advisory capabilities uh, from organizations, those security organizations and security vendors. 
that's when you know when we started and we saw that there's an opportunity to to really help the small and mid-sized market. Uh, they should be able to uh, access that. And that's where our services and there's two sets of services that we provide. One is um, we provide fractional uh, or virtual cyber risk leadership. You're absolutely right in that every organization should have some form of cybersecurity leadership, but not every organization it doesn't make sense to have a full-time um, employee there, especially when, you know, a chief information security officer, their average salary is anywhere between 150K plus, you know, and that that, that can be a lot you know, for someone to take on, especially a smaller organization. So that's where our services, you're able to tap in to um, instant experience cybersecurity leadership at a fraction of the cost. You're able to have someone hit the ground running and, and take that security portfolio for the organization. So that's something that we absolutely love love doing for our clients. Um, the other thing that we we have, it's a, it's, a, it's a course for what I refer to as micro businesses. So this is for organizations that have 10 employees or fewer. Um, maybe the, uh, even our advisory services may be a little too, too uh, rich for their liking, at least at this point in time. They're able to designate an inter- internal cybersecurity advocate and they go through our uh, training course, which is a, a series of videos and worksheets and, and guidelines, uh, things which are being uh, uh, narrated and, and uh, by me, and we guide them through how they can at least start building a cybersecurity program and foundation at their organization. Um, you know, and that's priced at a spot where it's just an investment of a, a few hundred dollars, and they're able to to get started, right? So we love being able to to help and make cybersecurity um, cost effective and available for any organization. Now, this kind of protection is something that a lot of people procrastinate because, oh, nothing bad happened today. Um, you know, it, it's like one of those things you you don't need it until you need it. Um, but this is something I think you have to proactively stay ahead of because everybody's so vulnerable. You, you, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and then sort of the real world analogy I always give is, um, you know, think about a, a doctor who is trying to encourage a patient to change their lifestyle, right? They know that a heart attack is coming. They know that this person's going to have a massive stroke because they're not exercising, they're not taking care of themselves. They're eating, eating Burger King th- four times a day. Uh, they know it's coming, right? So again, you can you can either, uh, and this is how we view ourselves from a security practitioner point of view, we know that there are organizations that ultimately it's gonna they're going to get hit uh, by a data breach or ransomware, what have you. Um, and like you said there, you know, there are those who understand the need to be proactive, but then there are those who will always react. And the thing that I always want to tell people is that after a negative event or after a significant data breach or significant security incident, it's always more expensive. The road is longer to recovery. Just like if you, you right, the road to recovery before you have a heart attack is easier compared to the road after you have a heart attack. And that's assuming you're lucky enough to survive. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wants to get a hold of you or somebody on the team or just learn more about the service, what's the website? Uh, the website is cyber.sc, like South Carolina or Santa Claus or just the, the letters SC. <laughs> or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Dominic Vogel, or, or find the company page, CyberSC, on LinkedIn as well. And that's C-Y-B-E-R dot S-C. That is correct, good sir. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Much appreciated, Lee. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on High Velocity Radio.